I remember thinking, God, I feel like Job. You know, I look in front of me and I look behind me and I look to my left and I look to my right and I just see darkness. And I thought I saw you working before, but I don't feel it anymore. I just, I don't see it. And I remember just feeling so, so discouraged by this. You know, we worked so hard to get this lady, you know, all that medical care and invested so much. And then she was just What killed. a victory. I mean, being yes. in medicine to know what yes. you were expecting and to yes. see God and just do see this God great thing. completely change her life and oh. she's dead. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the Seeing God podcast. Today's interview is with a missionary nurse named Ellie. Ellie works in a hospital in South Asia, and first she tells us about how her own relationship with God changed her life. She then tells us the story about how she saw God dramatically change the life of a young mother who showed up at their hospital near death. I want to warn you that this episode contains some very heavy topics that probably aren't suitable for all audiences. Also want to note that this episode was recorded on site in South Asia and the recording quality is not what we would hope it to be. However, we think that this content is worthwhile, so we hope you'll bear with us. excited to hear your story, Ellie. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are right now? I am currently serving short-term in Southeast Asia. My background is in emergency nursing, so I work in a hospital out here. That's how I get into the country. That's how I got my visa, is to work as a nurse here. And then I'm also learning the language full-time and also learning the different ministries that are here and really trying to get to know the people as well and getting invested in that. And um, the goal is to go long-term as soon as I get back to the States, I'll finish um, raising full-time support. So short-term, like you're here for two weeks or? Um, Well, in total, I'll probably be here about two years. (laughs) Why did you come here? I felt the Lord was calling me to come to a place such as this where there is no access to the gospel. Um, in the United States, if someone wants to know about the Lord, I mean, there are Bibles in Walmart, anywhere you want to go, and there's churches everywhere. And if you seek the Lord, you're going to find Him. And what really broke my heart was the countries where they've never even heard the name of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so through that, um, He has led me here. So how, how long have you been here? I've been here eight months. Eight months. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you like it so far? I love it. It doesn't make it any less hard, but it makes it worth it, and I do enjoy it a lot. So how old are you, Ellie? I'm 23. I was 22 when I came out here, and 
Um, that's pretty young. I felt, I felt it was pretty young. I felt pretty inexperienced, but you know, God likes to use the inexperienced, I think. And, uh, it's the same age that Hudson Taylor was when he got to China. Of course, he had a lot more experience than I already have, but it makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember speaking with you or hearing you talk about coming mm-hmm. before you came and you said something standing up in front of a bunch of people that were mostly older than you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you remember what you said? You said, I don't know uh, how to share the gospel in that context. I don't know everything about medicine. I don't know that culture. Mm-hmm. I don't know so many things. Right. But I know that God does. Yeah. Ellie, how were you introduced to God? When I was born, <laughs> uh, my parents were in Bible school. And we're learning Spanish so that we go to Mexico. So I was born in Bible college and um, my parents were uh, saturated my younger years with wanting to learn Bible verses and everything. And I'm very, very thankful for that. My first recollection of church, my mom and dad told me beforehand, if you can take notes and tell us what the preacher says, we'll give you a prize. And so I was probably in kindergarten at that time and I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I <laughs> sat and listened and wrote down all the words I knew how to spell. And um, to much to their dismay, my notes on what this pastor said was just a list of and, the, for, if. <laughs> and I'm sure they were so disappointed. They saw me writing and they were all excited of all the you know, insight I was going to give them from this child perspective, and I gave them nothing. <laughs> well, so, five-year-old, that's pretty good. <laughs> I was pretty proud of that. I was, <laughs> but um, from an early age, I was around the church, and we moved to Mexico, and we I grew up on the mission field and involved with VBS and things like that. But I was definitely not introduced until to the Lord until I was much older. Because before that time, it was just things that my parents did, and it was good and right, but I just had no understanding of what it meant. It just didn't make sense to me. And so I got saved when I was nine, when I went to junior camp in the summer. We had moved back to the States. We were on furlough. And I had the opportunity to go with our church to junior camp, and it was amazing. And the pastor preached that night about how it doesn't really matter where your parents do. And being a Christian isn't about going to church. It's about a relationship with the Lord. You have to have that relationship with Him. And I knew I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. That night, I got saved. I felt, I did definitely feel a peace about it. Some people get mixed up on, I don't feel anything different. Or some people feel amazing afterwards. And I don't know how you're supposed to necessarily feel. I think it's very different for different people. But I certainly had a peace knowing that I I was now saved from sin and from eternity away from the Lord. But I wouldn't say that my relationship with him with him was anything outside of just very distant until I became much older. Um, when I got saved, my family was going through a rocky time. And for some reason, I didn't cling to the Lord like I should have. And I wish I had. But it was mostly um, years and years going through my teenage years of um, anger and just trying to solve these this emptiness I felt with all the world's resources. I mean, I went by the book, you know, everything the world tells you you're supposed to do to feel better and, and uh, spent years doing this and it was frustrating. 
looking back, I wish when I was nine that I had started reading my Bible every day and praying and depending on him when trials came. I know how it is to try to use the world's resources and it's so empty. And when um, in my late teens, I finally at the end of myself was like, this is pointless. And just finally threw myself on the Lord. Um, His peace and satisfaction and his healing was so much better than I could have ever even dreamed of. And um, I think he used that for my good, even though I wish I had done it differently. Mm -hmm. Even even my mistakes he used. um, And it's a very vivid picture to me when I think of people that are trying to find healing in the world. It's just, it's empty. Mm-hmm. So there was some time when you were in training and, you know, all of that. And then you came here. Right. And you've had a short and a long eight months. Yes. <laughs> Could you just share a couple of highlights with us? I would say one of the highlights um, is the story of Ma Singh. And I can tell you that story. Yes. I would love to hear the story. <laughs> this has been probably one of the most impactful people that I've met. Ma Singh is a young uh, tribal lady that um, is married, has two beautiful children. One is, uh, she's a five-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. Um, And I first met Ma Singh when she came to our hospital at Death's Door. She had been sick for several weeks and had a large infection in her chest that had um, spread and made her septic to where um, there was infection all over. And we could tell that if we did not act quickly, she was not going to be making it much longer. She was unresponsive, so wasn't talking, wasn't opening her eyes. She also um, was gasping for breath and um, high fevers, um, all that. So we got her... Uh, some fluids going, got some IVs, and rushed her to the OR. Um, we didn't know what we would find, but we knew that if we didn't take her to surgery and we didn't try, that she would die. So our surgeon went in and found um, a large collection of pus and infection around her heart and um, put in two different chest tubes and several drains to try to um, drain all that infection out. We set her on some heavy antibiotics, but um, the infection was so strong and her body was so weak from it all that we had to keep her intubated, which is just a tube that goes down into your lungs. And then we, in the States, we would put her on a ventilator and that would breathe for her, but we don't have the resources for something like that here. And so um, instead, we teach the family members how to give breasts for the patient. And so um, it's called an AMBU bag, but for those that may not be familiar with that, if you see it on the TV, it's just the bag that they squeeze and it gives a breath. And so we taught her husband how to breathe for her. And so for the next week, he would count one, two, three, four, five, breathe. One, two, three, four, five, breathe. And uh, he would switch with his brother-in-law back and forth um, day and night. If she wanted to breathe, they had to do it for her. We didn't have the staff to breathe and do that for them. So That's incredible. It was amazing. Um, I've never actually had to have a patient be bagged like that. Um, in the States, we have 
other resources. So that was um, new for me, for sure. I didn't know the language very well yet, so I there's little encouragement I could offer them. But he was very dedicated to his wife, and it, slowly but surely, she started getting better. And after about a week, we were able to do some trials where we could not bag her, and she could breathe through her trach, and um, she began to build up the her nerves. Uh, holes yes, yes, a hole in her in her throat in her esophagus where she could breathe. Um, and so she started getting better and better, and um, much to our surprise, truly, she was very sick, very sick lady. And um, as she started getting better day by day, we also um, shared the gospel with her and her husband. There was many different people involved. Um, we have some nationals here that are very passionate about spreading the gospel and sharing their hope that they have. And the surgeons, whenever the doctor would round, he would pray with them and the nurses as well. And they noticed a difference in the staff, that the Christian staff had a peace about them and a joy that they didn't understand. And they were so open to hearing about this Jesus. They wanted to know more and more. So over the course of Many, many weeks um, we were able to share with her. And in an environment where their friends and family weren't around, and they were um, able to uh, hear about about the Lord. They didn't make any decisions. Um, after over a month of staying in the hospital, she was ready to go home. And they told us, you know, we're really thinking about it. We don't know if we want to become Christians or not. We really like what we heard and we want to think about it. So we sent them on their way um, and knew that they'd be coming back for a follow-up. And when I saw them again in a few weeks for the follow-up, I was amazed. They were just completely different. They were beaming, just couldn't stop smiling. Their countenance had changed. They were just so joyful and so happy and so we asked what was going on, and they joyfully talked talk to us about how they decided that they did not want to follow the Buddhist gods, that they wanted to know this Jesus, and that they wanted to, to be Christian. And so they had prayed that. And so we, of course, followed up and made sure they understood exactly what that meant. And they did. They understood, and they were ready. And it was... It was such a powerful moment. It was so it was so amazing to see this radical change in their lives. I had never seen her husband smile, not once, the entire time they had been in our hospital. And he just couldn't stop. <laughs> so the, one of their first questions was, we need you to come and share this with our friends and family. Um, they need to hear about this. And um, so they asked if we would come. So we got permission from the government and we were able to send a team out to visit the village and to tell them more about uh, what Ma Singh and her husband had come home with from the hospital. Why did you need permission from the government? Um, they live in an area that is restricted. Um, we cannot go and visit them. Um, it's just too, it's very dangerous. There's a lot of terrorist activity and so the government limits any foreign visitors. So... We were miraculously granted access, which hasn't happened in 
close to nine years that we were allowed to travel to that part of the country. It was pretty amazing that that even was possible. We sent a team of um, our doctor, the surgeon that operated on her, went and several others that were able to speak the language as well. And the Lord really orchestrated the events for that. How far away is the village? By car, it takes about a day. But um, walking many days, um, you drive into the jungle and then it's uh, you have to do some hiking by foot to get to the village. It's in a remote area. When they got there, Mossing and her husband's house was on the very outside of the village. And they were completely ostracized from the rest of the village. They, After they became Christians, the villagers didn't want anything to do with them. But they were determined to share this hope that they had. The Lord orchestrated the events. Um, the police were, were with the team the whole time and to guard and make sure nothing happened. And so that limits their ability to share the gospel. But whenever they were in Ma Sing's house, the police had to go for something and they were able to share with Ma Sing's family and friends and, uh, freely without having to um, be uh, concerned about what the police would think. And so... It was a good visit. Ma Sing and her husband were encouraged, but shortly after we left the village, a police report was filed against us and we were not allowed to return. So Ma Sing and her husband started coming to the hospital. They were um, just so hungry for the word. Um, at each of their visits, they were telling us that they were getting more and more pressure. The Buddhist leaders in their village were sending them threats that they needed to revert back to Buddhism. They needed to deny Jesus. And Mossing and her husband, although they understood the seriousness, their faith was already rooted. It was already it was already grounded on on the rock of the Lord. And so they they were very strong in that. It would they they already knew they would not deny Christ. And so they would come every few weeks and hear more and more about the word. They were just so excited. The threats and the pressure increased and increased until just a few weeks ago, we found out that Ma, Ma Sing had been killed. Her, so Ma Sing was killed. She was killed. Um, yes. Um, it was very difficult to hear, especially just being so invested in her life and seeing her come from so close to death. Um, her husband found a phone and called us, uh, just heartbroken and um, told what us to she was poisoned. Mm. Um, he said she ate and just a few minutes later, she started foaming at the mouth and passed away within minutes. It was quite heartbreaking for many on the team to have met this young lady to nurse her back to health over several weeks and to see her become a sister in Christ, just loving the Lord and growing in him. And then she was gone and it was, um, it was very difficult. My heart went out for her husband. Of course, I can't imagine what he was going through. And yet as heartbreaking as it was, the sorrow we experienced as a team, um, is different than the sorrow you see in the world because that is a sorrow without hope. And we know where Masing is and we know that she is having, she's experiencing so much joy and she is with Christ. 
but it doesn't take away the difficulty of being left in this broken world and seeing her children that don't understand why their mom is gone. And so it was very difficult at first. So what did her husband do then? Her husband has been After she such died. an inspiration. Um, he has really demonstrated that that piece that the Bible talks about knowing where his wife was and just as a young Christian and yet despite this he was not shaken. As sad as he is to lose Mossing and as heartbroken as he is, especially through this last year of almost nearly losing her. He knows where she is though. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't grieve as the world does. And that has been um, a challenge to his his family and friends there. They don't understand. Um, as soon as she had died, the Buddhist leaders in the village demanded that he bury her according to the Buddhist rituals. Um, they believe that the longer uh, a body is left unburied, the evil spirits can come into the village. And there's a lot of um, belief in evil spirits. Um, but he would not do that. And so no one would help him. And so he went out and he dug her grave by himself and he buried his wife and he said, he told us, I don't know how Christians are supposed to be buried, but I um, buried her and just prayed in my heart. And that's all he knew to do. Since then, he has um, been in contact with us. He wants us to take his son and get him into a children's home. The village has threatened to put his son in a Buddhist monastery. He doesn't want that. He wants him to grow up learning about God. So we are working on getting his son into a home where he can learn about the Lord. And he's also um, asked if he can become baptized. He wants to make his profession of faith apparent to all those that may wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, many in Masin's family have um, have accepted Christ mm-hmm. since her um, conversion as well and it's been an amazing thing to see mm-hmm. and it has um, been a huge encouragement to me to see that in her husband's life and to know the assurance that we have as Christians I mean it's like as Paul said it is good for me to be with you but it's far better to be with Christ mm-hmm. and she is experiencing far better joy and, um, and peace and, and heaven with the Lord and we as Christians have that same peace and joy. I thought I would share um, a poem with you that just comes to mind every time I think of Monsignor. And it was written about um, the martyred Christians in China. And about how we, as Christians, do not need to have fear. I mean, death has lost any power over us. Um with the living hope that we have. And so that's why this poem was written. And it just really reminds me of Mossing and her family and maybe it can be an encouragement to others. Afraid of what? To feel the spirit's glad release, to pass from pain to perfect peace, the strife and strain of life to cease. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face? To hear his welcome and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? 
a flash, a crash, a pierced heart, brief darkness, light, oh heaven's art, a wound of his counterpart. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To enter into heaven's rest, and yet to serve the master blessed, from service good to service best. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To do by death what life did not? Baptized with blood a stony plot, till souls still blossom from the spot. Afraid of that? Allie, that is just an incredible story. It really is. Of what God is doing right now. Yes. Right here. And that her husband has remained faithful in spite of all of that. And it's a story that I don't think is nearly close to being done. I think the Lord is going to use Mawson's life and her dedication to him to bring much glory to his name. I think this is only the beginning. The tribe that she's from has been so close to the gospel for many, many years. And I believe he's going to use this in, in ways that we can't understand just yet. I know that some of the people that you work with here have been working through the years to translate the Bible into Yes. Uh, Mossing's language. That's right. And so parts of it are available. Parts of it are done. Not not all of it, but um, there are a few books that are done. Um, we have downloaded the audio files um, for the that language onto her husband's phone so he can listen to it. He doesn't know how to read. Many of them don't. So how will he be baptized? He will be coming down um, to visit and um, going to a conference that we have on family, Christian families, and he is going to be baptized at the conference. Wow. What faith. Yes. And just, you know, he's just a baby Christian. He's, yes. And he stood through all of this. Yes, he is. You can truly see God's grace in his life. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing to be able to witness this. Mm-hmm. A privilege to know her and to see God's hand in her life. That's a lot for a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Sort of really fresh from the United States to yeah. encounter. Yeah. Was there a time where that was a real test of your faith? There was so much going on. Mossing was just one more sad thing that was going on and so it was difficult um so there were other patients that there were other patients that had been dying and it was just a rough time we were very short staffed at the hospital so i was very tired and so often it can be very discouraging but um, the lord reminded me of when elijah was discouraged he felt so alone and sometimes it just feels that way i remember thinking god i feel like job you know i look in front of me and I looked behind me and I looked to my left and I looked to my right and I just see darkness and I thought I saw you working before but I don't feel it anymore I just I don't see it and I remember just feeling so so discouraged by this you know we worked so hard to get this lady you know all that medical care and invested so much and then she was just what killed. a victory I mean being yes. in medicine to know what yes. you were expecting and yes. see God and just see this God great thing. completely change her life and uh-huh. she's dead so it was very discouraging at that time. But I remembered what, I mean, God really reminded me about Elijah and how when he felt so alone, God said, there's still 7,000 in Israel. You just don't see him. And so from then on, I've 
try to start looking for the seventh album. And I see that in Mossing and others that have come to Christ that I've been able to know. And in the Christians that are here that are persevering and despite persecution, they really are on fire for the Lord. Um, I could share with you just a little bit of a testimony of um, one of my closer friends here that um, her and her husband have a ministry to Muslims here, which is scary for the believers. Um, they've had their church burned down. They've had um, Christians have been beaten up when they try to share their faith, but um, they are so passionate for the Lord. And I mean, it just, it's so encouraging to meet with them. And they will, we will pray crying with just passion for these that are so lost because we know how it feels. And we also know that true rest and true hope only comes to the Lord. And so it is such a, such an encouragement to worship with these believers and sing songs in their language. And so she shared this, her testimony with me. Um, and I will share a part of that with you here. Um, my husband and I work in various places, but when we felt that we needed to work in our own area and give people there the gospel, we re- decided to return to our own village and preach the gospel to the Muslim villages around us. Preaching to Muslims is difficult work. It is like putting a knife to your throat. We prayed a lot and God has helped us. Now we work in eight villages. There are about 20,000 people who live there. Along with giving them health care, we pray with them and share stories from the Bible. The villages we work in are in the jungle. There are wild elephants there. If anything were to happen to us, nobody would know where we were. But we are not afraid to spread God's kingdom, because for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is a section I love. When I'm afraid, I read it. It is Psalms 23. My biggest weapon is prayer. I pray in every condition and remain firm. Prayer is my strength. I know that one day I must die, but I pray that I can die spreading God's kingdom. I pray that I will not be afraid to do this work. Pray for me, for my family, and for our ministry. Pray that fear does not stand against us in doing God's work, because fear comes when we do not have a close walk with God and are not depending on Him. Wow, that's pretty powerful about fear. I don't know how you can hear that and not just be totally on board to do anything to... Anything the Lord would ask to bring as many people as we can with us mm-hmm. to heaven. And our lives are so short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see how I could do anything else other than that. Mm-hmm. It would be very unfulfilling. And it was before the Lord really got a hold of me and showed me that. Ellie, you've had, uh, I know that you've had your own share of deep personal suffering before all this that we're not going to talk about today. But you, when you've seen God work, what would you say are the hallmarks of God working, of, of his hand, of him? When you see him, what do you see? In my own personal life, it's in very intimately personal experiences that are really, by grace, he doesn't have to be have a personal relationship with us. He, I mean, he died for us and saved us. And I mean, he doesn't have to invest in our lives in such a deep and personal way. But the experiences that I remember the most and that have been the most impactful to to me have been just very personal ways that I knew it was him working. Just in praying about coming out here, the Lord worked in very specific ways to show me that I was going on the right path. The country that I'm in, there have been other missionaries before me. And 
there is a book out there about this place. And when I was praying about missions, I told my mom and she said, I don't know too much about medical missions. We weren't in Mexico for medical missions. We were there um, in a different capacity. But she said, I read this book when I was pregnant with you. and It's about medical missions. It's about a doctor and he starts his hospital in this remote place in the world. And so maybe you should read that. Remember, it was very good and helpful. And so I said, okay. So I went and found the book and I started reading it and I found very quickly, oh, well, this is the hospital I'm praying about going to. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and as I kept reading, this letter fell out of the book and I read it and it was about this little baby being born. And I asked my mom about it and she said, well, the day you were born, I never wanted to forget that moment. And so I wrote down everything I could remember, just how long the labor was, how I didn't want to have an epidural, and then I did, and then how excited I was to see you, my first thoughts when I saw you, all that red hair you had when you were born. <laughs> and she wrote it all down and wrote down my birth story and put it in that book and forgot about it until 21 years later, that same little baby with all that red hair um, was reading that book praying about um, where God would have her to go. And, you know, I didn't take it, oh, this is a sign from heaven. This is where I'm supposed to go. But it was also um, a reassurance in my heart because I was praying very um, specifically about this mission field and um, just for guidance and wisdom in this. And just to give me reassurances along the way was just very meaningful to me. And he didn't have to do that. But he does. He he just finds ways to give his children hugs you know, along the way. So. I wish I, our listeners could see you because <laughs> whenever I see you, you radiate joy. You just <laughs> beam. And I know that your life is uh, not all a bed of roses by any means. And uh, I, I, it just shows all over you. <laughs> you know, in, in light of that, has anything surprised you about God? The only thing that surprised me has been because of my own doubt that the promises wouldn't actually be true. But I guess what surprised his, what has surprised me has been his faithfulness to actually fulfill all the promises that he's given, which just seems mm -hmm. silly. But you read these things and they sound too good to be true in the Bible, those promises. But at the same time, I rely on them and I know that I trust that he will bring those to pass and that's been so surprising i don't know why i just my lack of trust that he would do those things i, th I think we all can relate to that <laughs> i don't know why I, <laughs> I don't know why i ever doubted but yeah. it's very easy to do yeah ellie it has been a sheer joy to talk to you today i so appreciate you taking the time mm, no uh, we are just blessed to hear what god's doing here if you didn't tell this story, we wouldn't hear it. Mm -hmm. And that's what scripture tells us to do, to tell the marvelous works of God. And that's yeah. what, uh, what we've done here. It's been yeah. amazing. At least yeah. people have been under 7,000 somewhere. So. Yeah. And <laughs> that there are people who are coming to Christ yeah. in spite of all odds. Despite and that, persecution. Even in spite of it, love the Lord and, and want to live their lives serving mm -hmm. Him. Mm -hmm. And it's happening around the world. Well, thank you, Ellie. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord.
If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on Submit a Story. God is doing things all over in all of His people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at GodSeeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced in the studios at Lancaster Bible College. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Our engineer is George Haynes. And our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. Seeing God.